I'm glad you all had your espresso shots this morning. <laughs> um, Eden wanted to come say hello. Speaking of strong woman, I, <laughs> say hi. She's been begging to come on stage, and I truly believe one day she will be on stage preaching, huh? Let's go, okay, you can go with Papi now. <laughs> all the way to Papi. <laughs> she wants to stay on stage. <laughs> For those of you don't know me, who don't know me, my name is Tasha Vitell, and we've been at this campus for so long, so I'm excited to be able to be the first woman speaker on a Sunday morning. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for Pastor Rob for giving us these opportunities to speak on days like this. So we're continuing in our kingdom-minded series, and I love how last week Pastor Rob talked about what it looked like to love as disciples, because it fits so perfectly with today, which is the heart of a servant. Now, to be a servant means to be selfless, and what's the opposite of selflessness? selfishness. Now, there's two times in my life that showed me truly how selfish I was, marriage and motherhood. Anybody, right? <laughs> First in marriage, trying to live with somebody and you're no longer just living by yourself, doing your own thing. And second, in motherhood. If you're a mother, you well know that you no longer get to eat your own food, <laughs> choose your own plans, but it's now taking care of somebody else. But a couple of weeks ago, I was reading in Philippians, and Philippians is this really awesome chapter. It's small, but it's, it's so empowering. And so Paul was talking to the church in Philippi, and in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, <clears throat> value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And the part that I paused and had to reread was verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And that word humility means a modest or low view of your own importance. Anybody doing that really well? I'm not. <laughs> and I began to think of today's society how this goes against everything that today's society believes, right? We want to be retweeted, re-liked, recorded, um, published, known. We are craving that immediate attention and affirmation. But what we need to be is redeemed and restored in our understanding of what Jesus called us to do as disciples. The more you physically have, the more you want. But Jesus came to show us that dying to self fulfills us in deeper and more spiritual ways. In Philippians, it says, count others as more significant as yourselves. Because it's natural to want to be selfish, right? Selfishness is defined as an inordinate self-love, promoting one for the sake of personal gratification or advantage, to disregard the rights or feelings of other men. So here's a couple of ways that we can overcome this. Number one, it begins with a humble heart. In Matthew 23, 11, the greatest, it says, the greatest among you must be a servant. And C.S. Lewis defines humility as not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. 
And that's exactly what I learned in motherhood because I realized I couldn't sit in self-pity or want to focus on myself because there was somebody else who desperately needed me to be there for them, whose needs had to become greater than my own. So now I drink three cups of coffee instead of one. (laughs) I'm already down one and a half, so it's about nine. It's perfect. (laughs) Um, Somebody I think of, when I think of this humility and wanting to serve others, it's Melissa Richmond. And unfortunately, she's not here this morning because I'd love to to call her out. But um, there's been countless times where I have called Melissa and maybe the kids are, you know, just not having a great day or she seems like things are going chaotic and she's stressed. But she will always end with, what can I do for you? How can I be praying for you? Can I take your kids? I'm like, what? Aren't your kids crazy right now? <laughs> Take my kids. And it's, it's such an amazing way to love on people, but she has found that that humility has become so much greater than her own needs. So that leads right into number two. A humble heart is formed by serving others. In Mark 10, 45, it says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Now, sometimes serving is going to look messy. It's going to look dirty. But God wants to know, are you willing to get in there or are you going to sit back and be comfortable? Because when we're comfortable, we're unable to be moved. But when we're willing to serve, then God um, says, let me use that uncomfortableness and show you what I can do. And so Jesus was willing to be uncomfortable. He was willing to be misunderstood, misled, killed, tortured, despised to serve you and me. And he said, are you going to serve despite what it costs you? And so I think of two areas that Jesus did this so perfectly. The first is when Jesus touched the man with leprosy. Now, back in that day, if you had leprosy, you were unclean and you were to stay as far away from healthy people as possible because you were repulsive to them. You were not, no longer able to live with your family, but you had to be isolated from everyone. And if you were to even touch an animal, they had to kill it because of how, undir- how dirty and unclean you were. But Jesus came and in Mark 1:40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He said, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Not only did Jesus defy what society wanted by approaching the man, but he touched them. And to go even further in the Greek text, it says it's more than touch. It's more that Jesus took hold of him. He took hold of the unclean and redeemed it. And the second one I think of is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Anybody a foot person? Not me. (laughs) I do not want to touch nasty feet. (laughs) But back in that day even, the washing of feet was reserved not just for servants, but the lowest of servants to wash feet. And so what Jesus did in John 13, 5 It says, then he, Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. He wanted to show them that he is not too great to serve one another in such humble ways. And hoping and in hopes that his disciples and us would then follow in his footsteps and serve even when it's dirty and unclean and uncomfortable. And in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, In your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus, who being in very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of this, Jesus wasn't at all what the people expected, but he was exactly what they desperately needed to change the way society thought so that the love, uh, his love could live abundantly through the way that we serve one another. When we're self-centered and we crave attention, we show people the parts of us that we want them to see. But when we are obedient and we step back into servanthood, we serve one another in the parts that no one ever wants to show. And so God's looking for disciples immersed into the people that they're invested in. So three, as we give ourselves away, we will be fulfilled and secure. So this is a paradox to the Christian life. The more we give away, the more we will be filled. And I too struggle with this. And just recently in December, <clears throat> Zeus and I just had this chaotic month, couple of months, year, I don't know. <laughs> and we needed some time away. And so for Christmas, we were going to San Diego to visit my family and we were so excited. We we're like, we need this rest. You know, they can help with the kids. It's gonna be amazing. It was not amazing. <laughs> the kids were just abnormally on edge and whiny and we seem, everything seemed so restless and we didn't get that rest or peace that we thought we were gonna have at all. And so we had told our, friend, our good friend Carl about this and Carl was such an amazing friend to sit us down and challenge us. He said, you're not like everyone else. God loves you too much to be regular. You expected rest, but you released your willingness to serve. But through obedience, God will always bring rest and relaxation when you need it. Your eyes must be fixed on Christ at all times. So Zeus and I were so focused on wanting to do our own thing and get our own rest that we then uh, released our ability to serve other people. But God says, I needed you to serve and I'm gonna give you rest when I, need it, when I want to give that to you. So you may think you don't have the time or the energy but when you say yes and you're willing to serve, then God will increase your capacity to do so. And all of a sudden you have this passion and excitement to do something you never thought you wanted to do. So how do you put this into action? If you um, have read Pastor Rob's book, Fix It, if you haven't, you should, it's amazing. He talks about three ways to serve. The first is in a general way. So when I think of this, I think about exactly what they said up here, serve your city. Now this is an amazing way for us as a community, a church community to bring our families and go and serve the people in our community. Yeah. And I would encourage you to sign up to do that because this not only challenges us to be in our community, but it helps our family and our children to learn how to do that as well. Number two would be in a gathered way in church, in life teams. Being a servant means to be a steward and to be a steward means to have ownership. Yes. Now, there are three types of people who come into church on a Sunday morning. There's visitors, there's renters, and there's owners. Now, visitors are only visiting. They don't have an inclination to serve. Renters come regularly 
but they're consumers. They'll come as long as their needs are being met. Otherwise, they'll leave. Owners devote their time and energy to serve others in the church. Now, has anyone ever owned something really expensive that you're so proud of? Do you just kind of leave it there or do you make sure to take care of it? If you've seen my husband's shoes, they are always super white. <laughs> he will take care of them. <laughs> An owner takes ownership and stewards what it owns. And I want you to think which three of these that you are. God's design for the church is to be the body of Christ, which means that we all have a, have a part to play and an important role. And in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, some of you may not know what your role is or what it should be, but let me give you some recommendations. Say, where can I serve? Now, when we stepped into this campus nine years ago, Zeus went up to the, the other campus pastor, Pastor Brian, and said, I'm here to serve, what can I do? And he said, honestly, I need someone to clean the toilets. And every week, Zeus would come in and clean the bathrooms. And I truly believe that if Zeus were to say, oh, I'm too good for that, that Jesus would have told him, well, then you're not worthy of this stage. But he was willing to serve when it was uncomfortable and dirty to give his all into this place that he had ownership of. Um, another way is in a gifted way, use your gifts. The other day I was working on my sermon in YZ because YZ is amazing during the summer. And there was this little old lady, she had her gardening gloves and her little clippers and her little Lunds bag and she was trimming the bushes and it was so amazing. And so I started to talk to her because I love to talk to strangers. And I asked her why she did that. And she said, my mother loved to garden and I wanted to be just like her. So I learned to garden and I love to garden. But now I live in a condo and can't do that. So instead I come out here every day for an hour and I'll work on the bushes. And then I get to be in my community and love on people. And what I love about that is two things. She loved her mother. So she wanted to do as her mother did. We love our father. So we want to do as he did through his son, Jesus. The second is what she loved to do, she couldn't do. So she brought it into the community and she loved on people. Take what you love, whatever it may be, and love on people, serve people in that way. I think of Mark and Karen Printy. Now, if you know Mark and Karen Printy, Mark is like the most amazing handyman that I know, and Karen is the best hostess and cook. Unfortunately, they're not here. <laughs> that I also know. And there has not been one event or task or just get together that I have been to that they've helped or put on that was not excellent because they give their all into it. And what many people don't know is Karen is in constant pain when she does it. But despite the pain when she is serving, she serves with joy and with excellence. And when I think of serving, I think let's serve with excellence. And when I think of excellence, I think of the Ritz Carlton. 
Okay, does anybody know what the Ritz-Carlton is? Anybody dream about staying in the (laughs) Ritz-Carlton? Now, if you don't know what the Ritz-Carlton is, it is a well-known luxury hotel. And I was very intrigued by their level of excellence. So I started doing some research on them. And I started watching a video, an interview, and it was with the head of guest services at one of their most well-known hotel. And he said, there's nothing that comes my way that isn't my job. I will always tend to every need. They will always tend to the task that is set before them, despite whether it is their job or not. But not only that, that makes them great at service, but how they bring it to the excellence level is they don't just leave it there. They take it to that next level of service. So here's an example. There were some kids playing um, floor hockey in one of the hallways, and one of the guests called to complain. They apologized to the guests, and they asked them to stop playing floor hockey. Now, many people would just stop there. But the Ritz-Carlton then opened up one of their rooms that was not being used so that the kids could go in there and play floor hockey. And the staff joined them. Isn't that amazing? And the second one that I thought was so cool was um, a little kid had left his teddy bear at the hotel, and it was a really special teddy bear to them. So they said, of course, we'll send it back. But during that time, they took pictures of the teddy bear in the kitchen and different areas by the pool of the teddy bear stay as he was away. And they sent it to the kids and with all the pictures and all the little uh, treats. And I thought, that is so amazing and such a level of excellence. And let me tell you guys something. There's different ways we can serve, but when we serve with excellence, do you think people forget it? No. Do you think those kids will ever forget those memories of that level? No. And that's why people keep going back and spending thousands of dollars to stay there because of that level. But they remember that forever. And when you serve with excellence, with the love of Jesus Christ, like Pastor Rob talked about last week, who are they going to bring that memory back to? Are they gonna bring it back to the world or to the love of God that was shown through your act of service? So just as we heard Pastor Rob talk about that man last week who was mowing the lawn and he so desperately wanted to be, to be recognized, like, hey, your lawn looks amazing. We've all done it, right? Like, hey, you get some money in the mail? Oh, we wanna be noticed. But God challenged that man and his humbleness to not be recognized. But because of it, when the time came, that act of service led his neighbor to be willing to hear the words of the Lord through him. And so think of people in your life. One act of service may be a seed or a watering can, but whatever it may be, it will always be part of the planting process in each person's life. And if we're not investing in the roots and helping people to understand who Jesus is, then we're not doing what Jesus has called us to do, to serve one another. So again, think of those people in your life who God has surrounded you with. Believers wanna protect their privacy and their time, but disciples understand that God has put them in relationships for a reason. You have family members, church friends, neighbors, strangers, coworkers. According to a survey by Cigna last year, only about 50% of Americans have meaningful in-person social reaction or interactions on a daily basis. And the numbers are worse for Generation Z. When we serve, it increases our depth of interaction. So I'm gonna give you some ideas of ways you can serve. 
First, bring a meal to someone who seems overwhelmed. If you know that someone is going through some things or their life seems hectic, the last thing you wanna think about is what you're gonna make for dinner. Bring them a meal. It's something so simple. Another one would be write notes of appreciation to people. I actually wrote some, and so I still wanna serve even though I'm preaching. So the first one I wanna give is to Hannah. <laughs> so Hannah leads youth with me on Wednesday nights, and she has just become a great friend, and she is up here. Well, not right now, sorry. <laughs> I'll give you a card later. She's up here every week, whether it's on the cello or the keys, faithfully serving. Another one I think of is Jenny. And Jenny is our neighbor, our sweet neighbor, who I will miss dearly. And Jenny is so loving and I appreciate our talks and she is always willing to like love and serve in any area that is possible. And of course the last is Donna Galvin. <laughs> now Donna, can you pass that back to Donna for me? Donna is like our children's grandma and she has so over and above um, served our family so lovingly. She won't, even when she comes and watches our kids, she's like, I'll bring lunch. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> it is so sweet. And so guys, how special do you feel when you receive that word of encouragement, right? So how about you take time and just write something to somebody. Another one is offer to watch someone's kids. I will always take that offer. <laughs> Kids are sometimes the highest level of stress in people's life. Offer to take them for a couple hours and let them go to Target or get their nails done. Um, mow someone's lawn, just like we heard last week. That guy who mowed the lawn, look what that led to. When we first moved to Mount, I was like, this is how people love on each other. Everyone mows our lawn. It's amazing. No more cookies, it's now mowing lawns. Um, invite someone over for dinner and go all out, just like Karen Printy. Now, you don't have to go all out, but if you want to do that excellence piece, go all out. Just like you guys, <laughs> you guys did yesterday, we went over to Morgan and Pete's house and they went all out. It was amazing. Now, I think about if you're a manager or a boss of a company, I was reading an article and research done by the Harvard Business School, and it was saying so many companies try to reward with money and bonuses, but more than 80% of American employees don't feel recognized or rewarded. And what employees crave more than money is to feel that their managers appreciate them and aren't afraid to show it, not only in paycheck terms, but in other ways. So if you are ahead in a company, I would encourage you, write them a thank you letter. If they're stressed, offer to give them a half a day off or send them a meal. And if you're married, then I would encourage you, love on your spouse. God commands that to love on our to wives, respect your husbands and husbands love your wives. When they come home from work, you know, my husband loves back rubs. <laughs> and we used to play this like the back game. Hey, I'll rub your back just as long as you rub my back. But then he would always fall asleep, so I never got my back rubbed. <laughs> but I know that my husband loves key lime pie, so I got him a key lime pie because I know that's how he's loved on, is eating key lime pie. <laughs> and he's starting a diet tomorrow, so thankfully it's today that I got him the key lime pie. <laughs> but guys, there are so many opportunities around us to serve right? Jesus took every opportunity to go out of his way, unclean, untimely, unnoticed, to serve people. And in doing so, we get the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven. Your act of service can and will lead others to a relationship with Christ. 
So let's get uncomfortable and be Christ to our communities. I'm gonna pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord Jesus, to hear more about how you served people. Because in your act of service, you changed the way the world worked, Lord Jesus. You called us up and you called us out and said, I need you to serve one another. I need you to love on people the way I have loved, that you have loved on us. And Lord, I just pray right now that every person would feel moved and touched, that you would put somebody in their mind right now of who they can serve in a way to serve them, Lord Jesus. I pray that people would sign up to serve their city so that we can love on our community, so people can see church in a new way, in a different way, in a loving way, the way you have called us to be. And Lord, I just thank you for calling us to be uncomfortable because in that state of uncomfortableness, you move us to greater things. Lord, we thank you and we pray a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.